Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Orale, amigos. Que tal? <laughs> it is uh, It's Sunday. It is Sunday, Sunday and not Saturday. Not Saturday. It's definitely not Saturday. And nope. no one would start a podcast that's supposed to be on Sunday and say, hey, happy Saturday. Everybody. No one would. Do, not if they're professionals. Not like if us. they're professionals. And certainly not if they've got a delete button on the uh, editing software. Right. Yeah. Anyways, happy Sunday. We hope that you guys are uh, doing well and we hope that you have plans for church. And if you're a part of our church family, hey, this is significant because tonight is the last one. Oh, and we're handing out Roman candles to everybody to shoot at each other in honor of the birthday of our nation, right? Yeah, we're we're not doing that. I thought we we didn't say that. We didn't. We didn't. Did we ideate that? I feel like we talked about that and I got excited. Yeah, no, we're not doing that. Uh, no, but it's our last Sunday night gathering before we move to Sunday morning starting next weekend. So we are stoked about that and looking forward to that and uh, excited, man. We are so grateful. We just, we've had such a good experience where we've been at and we are just ready though to, to jump in to Sunday mornings. Let's do it. But we are excited today to jump into the word of God with you. So hopefully you are tracking with us with our daily Bible reading. Again, you can always find that on our website, compassntx.org, as our buffers always say. And, and you can click on the daily Bible reading tab and follow along with us. But we are in Job 23, 24, and 25 today. Um, so three chapters, but 25 super short. Kind of like Bill Dad, the smallest man in the Bible. Oh. Anyways, uh, chapter 23, we get into uh, Job, and uh, in, in this chapter, basically, Job is bemoaning the fact, once again, that he just can't get a hearing with God. It's, it's essentially what he's doing here. Is he's saying, I, I wish that I could appear before God and lay my complaint before him and that I could get a response from him as to why we are uh, going through all this, why we're doing all this. Um, Right. He says in, in verse three, oh, that I, I, that I knew where I might find him and that I might come even to his seat. Um, what a, a cool thought really quick, though, that is for us as Christians, right? Because we know where we can find God. And the writer of Hebrews says we can come before that seat, the throne of God. Throne of grace. The throne of grace be, because of Christ, right? And so we have that, that continual access before him. But Job here feels like he doesn't have it. He, he can't get God to respond. His prayers seem to be bouncing off the ceiling and it's just, it's, it's frustrating to him and he's continually bemoaning this here. He says in verse eight, I, I go forward. He's not there backward. He's not there on the left. I, I can't find him on the right. I, I don't see him, but he knows the way I take when he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. And then he just reasserts his innocence in this, uh, in verses 11 through 12. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and have not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. So Job, even though he's frustrated right now, he can't find God. He wishes that he could plead his case before him. He still is asserting and holding fast to his integrity. And as we've talked about, it's not that Job is saying that he's a perfect man or a completely sinless man, but he's saying, look, as far as the big ticket issues, the big ticket items, I'm unaware of anything that I've done wrong. 
And yet there's this statement of, of, I think, faith in verse 13 when he says, but he is unchangeable or one. He's unified. He, he, he doesn't uh, alter his state or his purposes. And he says, and who can turn him back? What he desires, he does. And so there's some resignation with this. Even as Job is bemoaning this, he's kind of resigned to his, his circumstances. One of the things I really appreciated in verse 8 was we, we talked about Job not being able to perceive God's evident hand in his life. He can't, he can't grasp him. He can't call him, uh, drag him by the collar and say, I have some things to, to say to you. Um, one of the things that a pastor said that I, I love and I resonate with, and I think is really fitting here is if, when you can't trust my hand, trust my heart. And I think that works with God too. We can't see his hand, his evident hand in our lives. We must, we, we have no other choice, trust his heart. And I think this is where our new Testament helps us so much more because what Job didn't have is the ability to look at the cross and say, well, the cross gives me all the confidence I need to know that God is for me. Romans chapter eight, what then shall we say to all the trials, tribulations, and suffering that we go through? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him graciously give us all things? I mean, the idea here for us as Christians is to look at Job and to feel that sense of pity and compassion, but to know that as New Testament believers, we can look squarely at the cross and know without a doubt, God cares deeply for us. We are precious in his sight. And therefore, when we can't see his hand, we must trust his heart. Hmm. It's good counsel. In chapter 24, Job uh, continues in his lament and he here is kind of zooming out and just sometimes when we are in the pit and when we are suffering, it's really easy to look around and see how broken everything is around us and not just what's going on with us. And I think that's what we get in chapter 24. He's looking at the state of affairs in the world and he's kind of bemoaning the fact that, and, and lamenting the fact that, that the wicked are oppressing the innocent and the innocent are suffering greatly at the hands of, of the, the wicked. And there's a, 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 a seeming cry here on his heart to say, God, can you act now? And yet it, the the chapter ends with Job being confident that the justice will be done, that God will still re- return and, 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 and meet out justice as he sees fit there. Uh, but he lists some of the things right at the beginning of chapter 24 that he sees the wicked doing, moving landmarks. That may sound like a weird thing, but it, it's oppressing the, the the weak by saying, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to move the landmarks and create more property for myself." Than and, and in doing so, you're taking somebody else's property from them. Right. Thievery, yeah, thievery. So it was a, a pretty serious offense. They drive away the donkey of the fatherless. Oh man, I, that would be horrible to lose your donkey. <laughs> that would be terrible. It would be terrible. I mean, if you think about this society, that's transportation. That's a, a beast of burden. That's being able to to plow your fields. Uh, they they're just they're oppressing. They thrust the poor off the road. The poor of the earth hide themselves. They, so the, the wicked are just being wicked and it seems like they are getting away with it for lack of a better term. Yeah. Uh, and we've dealt with that theme already in the book. Uh, verse 13, there's those who rebel against the light who are not acquainted with its ways and they do not stay in its paths. I just appreciated there the contrast again of light and darkness. It's a theme throughout scripture um, that, that the light is associated with, with righteousness and with God and the darkness is associated with evil. And even in, in John chapter three, you know, Jesus there says they, they don't come to the light because they don't want their deeds to be exposed. Um, and here we see that in, in Job, the murderer rises before its light that he may kill the poor and the needy in the night. He's like a thief. The eye of the adulterer also waits for the twilight, the night saying, no, I will see me. Uh, for deep darkness, verse 17, is morning to all of them, for they are friends with the terrors of deep darkness. And then he quotes his friends there in verses 18 through 20 and says, you say, swift are they in the face of the waters, that, that, that they will get their judgment there. 
Um, and yet Job can, comes to the end and he says, they, they wrong the bear and the childless when they do not do good to the widow. And yet he still has this confidence that God is going to bring justice. Yeah. I think one of the things Job's getting at in chapter 24 is God operates on his own time. Mm-hmm. He's not beholden to our limited finite understanding of when and why God should execute judgment on whoever. And Job's, uh, Job's point, I think in refuting his friends is to say, look, you guys pretend like God always does an A plus B equals C kind of situation when that's not often the case. Right. He's done this already before, but he's reinforcing the point. You guys minimize and really uh, re- re- reduce God's sovereignty and his judgment into this little microscopic, easy to understand package when that's really not the way that God works. Right. Right. And in, in the hopeful statement of verse 24, they are exalted for a little while. Then they're gone. They're brought low. They're gathered up like all others. They are cut off like heads of grain. It's a little bit like, and we'll get there eventually, Habakkuk, when uh, God shows up to Habakkuk and says, hey, I'm going to bring the Chaldeans. And and Habakkuk says, you can't do that. You can't bring a a nation more wicked than we are to punish us. And God says, well, they're going to get theirs too, right? And so there, there's a, a balance wherein, we, as believers, we want to love our enemies. But hey, listen, if if you're suffering under unrighteousness, just know that justice will be done, right? And and it's important for us to remember that justice is done in one of two ways: it's either done at the cross, and, or it's done in eternal judgment. Right. And, uh, eventually. Eventually. Maybe right. not in this life, though. Right. Right. Exactly. But it, it will happen, and that's kind of where Job hangs his hat there in verse twenty-four. Chapter 25, then, we get Bildad, just six verses here. <laughs> and one commentary that I, I consulted on this, the title for it, I'm just going to steal his title. The title okay. was, you ready for this? We're stealing again. What about the donkeys? Well, what, the, and, and, the, and, the, yeah. and the stones. Yeah, it's the, okay. It's okay. Okay, this is okay. Yeah, it, it's sanctified stealing. <laughs> but the title was, You Maggot. <laughs> you Maggot. <laughs> because that's how it ends, right? In verse six, how much less a man who is a maggot and the son of a man who is a worm. Dude, maggots are gross. Yeah, I, I've had some. I saw some the other day. Not out, on my person. Outside. In my trash can. It was gross. They are gross. Yeah. It's like, this is a horribly despicable creature. They're disgusting, man. Yes. And here, Bildad's saying, hey, look, that's what mankind is. You making yourself out to be just before God, you're really yeah. just a maggot. You're a maggot, Joe. Yeah. That's an encouraging. That's a good friend to have. They should put that on a, on a greeting card. <laughs> Hallmark. <laughs> birthday. <laughs> oh. Happy birthday, maggot. Gross. Would somebody please do that for Pastor PJ's birthday? I know we already celebrated. It's already passed, man. But, I mean, you can still send him a card that says, happy birthday, maggot. I'd rather not. With love. It's okay. Your favorite congregation. I member. appreciate that sentiment. But no no thanks. I'll just pass on that. Bill Dad's right, though. How can someone be right before? It's not, it's, it's not new. He's, he's saying things that they've already said, but how can someone be right? In the eyes of God, I, I think ultimately it comes back to Genesis 15, verse 16. It is by faith. This is how Abraham was counted righteous. I think this is how Job is counted righteous as well. Yeah, he's right. He, it's just a lack of tact. Well, right truth, wrong conclusion. I, again, I come back to that. I don't know who I read that said that first. I liked it. I, I hung, on, hung on to that. Job's friends have a lot of truth. They have the wrong conclusion, yeah. which goes to show how important it is to be right handlers, right stewards of the mysteries of God. You can't just wave it left and right and trust that you're going to be cutting it right. For sure. want to cut right the word of God. For sure. Which is one of the reasons why we do this and why you spend time reading God's word. It's for you, but it's also for the community that you find yourself in. Because the more acquainted we are with the word of God and its truths, the more equipped we will be to be better counselors and encouragers of encouragers of our brothers and sisters in Christ, of your kids, parents. Um, we, we want to be saturated with God's words so that our counsel, our wisdom, our instruction is, is uh, seasoned with scripture and it's, it's done so in a way that is accurate and good and right. That's right. 
Let's move on to our New Testament, Acts chapter 10. We set it up yesterday with this interaction that was boiling and percolating between Peter and Cornelius, where Peter was on the rooftop. He saw the vision of the bacon, and God said, arise, kill and eat, and all the men said, amen. Um, Well, you don't kill the bacon. You you cook the bacon. Well, yeah, fair. But the bacon was in the pigs that (laughs) that were in the sheep. But Peter's struggling, and, and God is trying to lead Peter to this conclusion of realizing, hey, the gospel's for more than just the Jewish people and the Jewish law, that it's gonna, it's gonna, it can't be contained by those things, basically. And so Cornelius has the vision at the same time, and, and God tells Cornelius, hey, go and call for Peter. So he does that. Now we pick back up, and it says in verse 24, on the following day, they entered Caesarea. And in the rest of this chapter, in chapter 10 here, God is basically going to be, through Peter, demonstrating his plan to reach the ends of the earth. That the gospel is is going forward, and it's going to do things that nobody ever thought it was going to be possible to do. Right. And so Peter goes to Cornelius, and Cornelius mistakes Peter for some deity figure here, and he falls down at his feet and worships him. And Peter says, hey, look, I'm just a man. Stand up. Um, And then he says this to them, this amazing statement. He says, you yourselves know how unlawful, this is verse 28, how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Now, Peter still is not fully getting the picture for what God really wants to do with the Gentiles at this point, but he's understanding that there's going to be something. There's some sort of of inclusion of the Gentiles in God's plan. And so Cornelius then kind of recounts to Peter everything that happened, and Peter sees, okay, this this is what God is doing here. And it says there in verse 34, we talked about this before, so Peter opened his mouth, right? He opened his mouth, and he preached the good news. He preached the gospel to Cornelius and those that were with Cornelius. And then we have the scene where afterwards the the Holy Spirit, when they respond in faith, the Holy Spirit falls on them. And again, it's one of those weird situations for us because the Holy Spirit falls on them. It's a a similar situation to what we found back in in Pentecost in Acts chapter two, because they begin speaking in tongues. And you'll notice that the the response, it says in verse 45, the believers among the circumcised who had come with Peter, so these are believing Jews, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. And I, I think that's why we see this unique circumstance happen here right. because God was showing these believing Jews, hey, the gospel's for the Gentiles too. And that's why they saw a repetition of what took place at the day of Pentecost happen here in Acts chapter 10 as well. Crazy. Two quick notes for you guys. Number one, when Peter says something like, hey, it's unlawful for me to be here, um, you, you can't point to any verse in your Old Testament that affirms that. What Peter's likely doing here is synthesizing what both the scriptures and tradition at this point had kind of put in his mind as a good Jew. You're not going to, you should not really interact with those people because they're going to make you unclean. They're going to defile you. So uh, don't look in your Bible for don't talk to or go to the house of anyone from another ethnicity. That's not the point. Again, this is not a racial issue. This is more of, of a religious issue, a, re- a religious purity situation. And given the fact that Cornelius bows down, you see that he's not hes not the kind of God-fearer who knows the Torah. He's kind of a pagan God-fearer. So he bows down, worships Peter. Peter's confused by this whole interaction, and, and that's uh, that's what's happening here. I would also point you to verse 43. We quoted this several chapters ago now, but notice here in verse 43, to him, all the prophets bear witness, that is Jesus, that everyone who believes in him and Jesus receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Notice what's not there. There's no mention of baptism. So when we talked about baptism earlier on to say, does someone have to be baptized to be saved? We would say no. And this is one of the reasons why. 
Peter says in multiple occasions that someone is saved not by baptism, but by belief in Christ. Notice also that they are baptized after they profess faith in Christ. So just a couple pointers to to show you as you work your way through the text. Pay close attention to those things. Helpful to put it all together as you work your way through. Another thing that when I read the Bible, I think all of us tend to, we, we like to think of ourselves like the disciples, like we're, we're with the disciples and we're with Jesus and we're following Jesus and, and we're tracking there and everything else. But man, we need to be thankful for this because if you're the out podcast. there, yeah, yeah, <laughs> for this us. podcast, be thankful, be for, thankful us for us now. This. Point number one, if you're taking notes <laughs> and I wish, and I wish you, you would, would. <laughs> no, let's not bifurcate the the podcast here. We need to be thankful for Acts chapter 10 in Cornelius, because unless you're an ethnic Jew out there, this is this is the, the, the origins of why we are saved and we're part of the, the church because all of us are Gentiles and, and this, well, well, I mean, speak for yourself, bro. Okay. Well, I didn't know this. Apparently pastor, point, pastor Rod is an ethnic Jew. 0.02% <laughs> just to throw it out. <laughs> I, I think I'm 0.000%. Um, but it's just cool. And, and we need to be cool. grateful for this, right? Because yes. we are part of the ends of the earth that acts one, eight needed to be reached. And here we see the, the, the infancy of that. And that's now us today. So we can be thankful for Peter preaching the gospel to Cornelius and we need to follow that model too. And maybe your Cornelius is next door, or maybe your Cornelius is your boss or your coworker or somebody else that God is bringing into your life to say, Hey, here's another part of the ends of the earth that needs to hear the gospel. Amen. Well, we appreciate you guys tuning in and we'll catch you again tomorrow for another episode of the daily Bible podcast. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. (laughs) 